Hello, hello, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching. And today we are going to cover the important pieces that you might be missing in validation. So when your child is experiencing big emotions, explosive behaviors, and losing their mind at the drop of a hat, it can be very overwhelming for you as a parent. And you may be trying to apply a very key skill called validation. And if your child is struggling with, with accepting that skill and, and learning about their emotions, then you definitely need to tune into today's show. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we help parents break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks by supporting highly sensitive children and highly sensitive teens to avoid the yelling, kicking, screaming, melting down, throwing things, running away, slamming their doors, shutting down, isolating, and all of the other inappropriate negative behaviors. And we do that by teaching parents how to become the therapeutic change agent in their own homes. And this is critically important when you're raising a highly sensitive child that you take ownership of the environment in the household and recognize that the meltdown cycle is a family dynamic cycle. This is not a problem that is solely relevant to your one single child, even if you're parenting an only child. All right, or there's massive age gaps between your kids or, or whatever, right? It's very important that you notice that everybody in the family plays a part to this problem. And if you are listening in, part of you already knows that. And uh, let's go ahead and dive into one of the key components that many, many parents get stuck on, which is uh, validation, right? So when your child is experiencing emotions, many, many times we hear parents talk about uh, the challenges that you can be facing when, uh, when your child is blowing up and hurting others or threatening to hurt themselves or hurt you. It, this is very scary, obviously, and it can make your mind wander and you can also feel not just overwhelmed, but frustrated and stuck, right? And you can be wondering, you know, does my child even need to be acknowledged in these emotions right now? Because they're so big, I don't even think that I agree with them. And this is point number one, validation is not agreement. If your child is struggling with their emotions and you are demonstrating to them that they don't need to be feeling them by any of the above, uh, any of the, the feelings, the, by any of the uh, strategies that we're going to talk to you about today, then it is very important for you to notice how you're contributing to the cycle. So this is where we're going to start first, okay? Many times we hear parents dismiss emotions. And one of the ways that you can be dismissing emotions is by reassuring 
When you're telling your child not to worry about something, you are actually telling themselves that they're telling them that their emotions don't matter. It's showing them that their big emotions and their big behaviors are something that they shouldn't be paying attention to right now is absolutely ineffective at breaking out of this cycle. And it is a behavior that you need to be aware of and also work to cease because your sensitive child is screaming, screaming at the top of their lungs and nobody screams at the top of their lungs if they're not in pain. Now, what's very difficult in this dynamic is to trust that your child is in significant emotional pain because one of the things that, another pattern that you might be stuck in is in assessing the problem with logic. If your child's emotional intensity doesn't match the logical uh, need in the situation, like you know, their brother took their toy or there's no dessert before dinner or you told them to turn off their screens and they're screaming like they're being murdered, then this obviously is a display of emotion that is not commiserate with the matter at hand, right? So there's an uneven emotional display and this can be very frustrating for you as a parent, but it also can be very triggering, right? Dude, I just asked you to do a normal kid thing to do, a normal responsible person, child thing to do. And here you are yelling at me, berating me, cursing, throwing things. And we, I don't, these are not the values that I model in my home. So what is going on, right? And so it can be really tricky to hear from me as a, as a, a consultant and expert here when I say that you're the one contributing to the dynamic, when you say, no, uh, no, I'm not, Megan. I didn't teach my kid to curse. They picked this up from school or they picked this up from TV. Well, I got to tell you, your child is suffering and they are struggling and no child who has a solid foundation in their own sense of self and identity and self-concept will use the, that language if for a long time even if they've learned it or heard it from peers. Why? It's not because they fear getting in trouble, but because they know that they are not the type of person who uses that kind of language regularly. And that's an identity statement. That's an identity that your child holds. And so if your child's identity is flying in the wind or flapping in the wind and, and uh, as wiggly as, as cooked spaghetti, then this is a problem that can be addressed through you through you and uh, through their, through the relationship with, with you as their parent, okay? So I'm empowering you here to notice that that is something that you can be more in control of with a different approach. So the next thing that needs to be shifted, and you might be falling into to another trap, is, is the trap of judging or criticizing. You know, your sibling didn't think that this was that big of a deal, so why are you making it such a big deal? Or C, you know, your your friends don't deal with this, uh, don't, you know, don't yell and scream or don't make a big fuss about it, so why are you making a big fuss? Even words like my kid threw a fit is judgmental because your child isn't picking up a ball and chucking it, like they're picking up feelings and they just chose the feelings and throwing them at you. Your child is out of control. They do not feel capable of not choosing to throw their emotions at you. They are missing a skill here. And so when you are, you, even the language that you're using to describe their behavior has to be addressed and has to be shifted to support your child in feeling heard and understood. So 
the experience of criticism, whether that be through comparison or through judgment or, or by telling them that their, their problems are silly or that they're overreacting or they're being dramatic, this is really important. You know, we've heard parents uh, affectionately use judgmental terms to describe their children. My little sour patch kid, she's such a drama queen. Uh, I mean, you, you name it, we've heard it all. And in that dynamic, many children hear that and they start to characterize themselves as this identity. And if you are working on supporting your child and becoming resilient, which we'll talk about more later today, then you cannot be using language that affectionately holds their, their biggest challenge as part of their personality. And in fact, if you believe that, even professionals would do that, right? Strong-willed child, explosive child. What child in what home who is hearing from their parents or hearing from professionals that they are strong-willed or, or um, uh, explosive or, or any, any ineffective label of the, of the such is going to feel empowered to be anything different? right? If you came to work and your boss affectionately called you uh, pain in the neck, <laughs> would you feel good about that? No. So then why are we debasing children and, uh, and, and using that type of language in our own homes? We're doing that to protect ourselves, to protect our ego. We're using sarcasm to describe our personal experiences because we feel stuck. Okay, and when you're doing that, when humans use sarcasm to describe it, a sad experience, you, we, we do that as humans to make light of a very tragic and sad situation. Think about all the best comedians in the world. They've all come from, I mean, Robin Williams is a great example, rest in peace, come from tragedy in their, in their own mental state. And they use humor to uh, and self-deprecating humor to break out of it. Mitch Hedberg, same thing, right? And I'm not um, only picking suicidal comedians, but those are just the two that are, that are really great examples. Excellent at their career and at their craft, and yet desperately struggling internally. And so when we look at this as, as uh, adults in our own home, if we are struggling internally and externally in our own home, we can try to find humor as a strength and you really need to be noticing how you're using deprecating humor when you're describing your child, that sinks in. It's really important that you pay attention to that and that you stop using that behavior. This is a sign that you're struggling more than you think you are and you're deflecting and you're trying to, to make light of that and that will not solve the problem. When we help our clients break out of this pattern, we help our clients notice what type of humor can be helpful, right? Silly humor, uh, empowering humor, goofy humor, right? I'm not telling you you can't live in a joyful home. In fact, quite the opposite. However, uh, deprecating sarcastic humor only has its place for so long because it is very close to venting. And uh, venting is ineffective, inappropriate, and a waste of time when you look at not only emotional management, uh, but it's also, uh, you know, keeps you stuck in this, in this problem. It is counterproductive to the emotional state of a healthy family dynamic. 
So when we look at uh, one of the things that is important for you to be paying attention to, the other, the other component to this, right, before we get into validation and, and the key components that we, we highlight for the work that we do, it is so important that you understand when you are misusing or mis, um, misapplying the uh, tactic of validation, because that's what it is. It's a tactic, it's not a strategy, it's an intervention when used effectively, but it is not a strategy. And um, the opposite of that would be to avoid or ignore, right? Obviously we don't want you ignoring your child. And again, it goes back to the assumption of thinking that your child is doing this to, to get attention, they're doing this on purpose, they're you know engaging in these big explosive or implosive behaviors. To, uh, to get what they want. And so the natural uh, other, other um, response to this, if you're not trying to actively try to fix your kids' feelings and get them to, to feel better, right, through reassurance, would be to ignore it. You know what, I'll talk to you when you're speaking to me like a seven-year-old. I'll talk to you when you're talking to, you know, speaking to me uh, with a respectful tone. When you speak your, when you act your age, I will let you consider going to the movies with your friends. So that type of language, ignoring, shutting down, being completely dismissive of your child's emotions also perpetuates the behavior. And so it is important for your child to feel heard and understood and listened to. And it is just one part of solving the, the, the meltdown cycle and, and breaking out of it because you can't listen forever, right? And I know you were just about to tell me that, right? Megan, wait a minute. Like my kids' meltdowns last for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, a half an hour, two hours, three hours. This is multiple times a day or, or multiple times a week. I don't have time for that. How can I be validating for this long? And this is the key piece that is missing in most advice for parents of sensitive children validate, love your child, let them spew their crap on you, take it, this too shall pass. No, no, that is passive parenting. Absolutely not. That is not what I'm talking about when I'm saying validate. I'm not saying let your child emotionally vomit on you and just wipe it off with a smile on your face. That is not parenting. That is being a doormat. And that creates a lack of safety for your child as well. So let's make sure that we stay out of extremes because being in extreme is a sign of the survival mode that you are stuck in as a parent who's stuck in the meltdown cycle. And let's start looking at this for real, okay? So what do I mean? The three key advantages to validation that we're gonna cover today, and obviously this is a very dense topic. When we help our clients, we spend weeks on this to really get this right. And, uh, you know, so, so we're going to be focusing on this for, the, for the, um, uh, the, the, the ripe amount of time of a podcast or a uh, YouTube show, whatever, you know, social media content you're, you're churning through and then the, the human attention span for, um, you know, for free content, right? And so we're gonna we're gonna be focusing on this for the in the broad strokes of this. Okay, uh, first thing that you need to understand is that validation has more power than you think it does. Now, I just got done telling you that it's only one piece of the puzzle, so it is very important to understand it's a highly impactful when used effectively, and just one component. Validation allows your child to feel heard and understood. It confirms to your child that their feelings and their experiences. Are, are okay to have, that they make sense, 
However, their behavior, we're not validating behavior when we validate, all right? Their behavior still needs to be worked on, right? And when you support your child in teasing out the difference between those two, your child shifts their behavior with your direction, right? They stop defending their behavior. And then once your child starts to learn about how they're feeling, they can start to become spontaneously empowered. And this is why, you know, parents get so, uh, befuddled or, or confounded by the fact that we help parents break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. Because when you apply these skills effectively in the right order, your child is much more capable than you are seeing right now. You know that, right? Because sometimes when you lecture, you say, you're better than this. I know you can do this. I know you have this skill. Your child is spontaneously capable of solving their own problems. They need the space and the system from you to do that repeatedly. And so that's why, um, you know, this is, this is solvable swiftly because when you have the capacity to teach your child how to, how to break out of their own patterns without shame, they actually become much more creative in a faster manner. So back to validation, all right, building trust is the next uh, advantage, right? Your child doesn't feel safe in their own body when they are losing their mind. Go listen to any of my other shows where we talk about this. This is not that show. What we're talking about now is really anchoring into the fact that when your child feels like they can trust you, they then feel more safe in this scenario and they start to settle in their emotional experiences. When they settle in their emotional experiences, they start to get creative. You cannot be creative when you're feeling unsafe or when you don't trust who you are bouncing ideas off of, right? Think about, um, you know, working with any professional or even just trying to spitball or brainstorm with a, uh, another professional, say a colleague at work or somebody in the PTA or somebody in your HOA, some, somewhere, someone in your neighborhood you're trying to bounce ideas off of and collaborate, right? If you don't trust that person, you're probably not gonna share your ideas with them because you might be thinking that they're stupid or you might be, not that other person, though you might also think that, the, and you might be judging that other person, which is a different story and a different characteristic. We're gonna talk about this in a different, in a different place, right? When you're uh, not feeling safe with that other person, you don't trust that they will take your vulnerability, your ideas, you know, brainstorming is throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks, right? And so if you're brainstorming ideas uh, to solve a problem in your neighborhood or at work or whatever, you want to be able to spitball those ideas with somebody who will let you throw some funny stuff at the wall and uh, and and see what catch you know what catches and, and what's a good idea, right? You have to be in a creative process, and the only way you can be in a creative process is to be in a trusting experience, in a trusting relationship, and uh, this is true for your child as well. If your child can't trial and error some of their skills that they need to learn to manage their emotions, that is a key indicator that they don't feel safe. And highly sensitive children who are not generalizing their skills in multiple avenues of their life are not feeling safe in, in many of their uh, communities, including the home base. Right? I know that this is hard to hear and it's something that is critically empowering for you if you hear it with open ears, uh, that this is something that you can change. You can shift out of this dynamic yourself as a parent when, uh, when you focus on this in the, right, in the right way. So I wanna talk about this because this is, this is important. When you're applying the validation skill effectively, 
uh, I want this is I mean this is perfect I was I was just planning on recording the show today and our, our client Kevin posted in our private client group and I want to just uh, read to you exactly what he said earlier this morning Holy crow, this validation skill is really making a big difference. We've tried to validate before bootcamp, but never with this kind of training on how. Uh, twice today, our sensitive kid had big meltdowns, hitting his sister, crying, roaring, throwing things that turned out great. Um, and I stopped and held him while validating how he felt. Holding emotionally is the word that he's using, sorry. Uh, within seconds, he was telling me things that we could do to get some energy out and even saying that meditation would also help. Uh, he even willingly put his own shoes on, let me brush his teeth, went to the store a few minutes after the first meltdown. All things that were on the top of our goals list. We have our clients write their goals down when they come into the program. We've seen some changes in the first two weeks with the mindset, but adding validation is like a whole different ball game. Okay? So when you apply intervention at an effective way, right, you can see it from our, our clients' mouths, rapid shifts can happen. These, this family's been working on this for two weeks and here we have a turnaround, right, for a client and a child who is now spontaneously coming up with their own solutions, all right, in the middle of a meltdown. Now listen, how many times have you heard from other professionals or, or other uh, resources that you've tapped in, you know what, you just need to ride those meltdowns out and wait till your kids calm and then talk to them about what they can do next time. No, meltdowns can decrease in duration and your child can become creative in the moment. That is absolutely something that your child can spontaneously do when you use an effective intervention and you do it well. And, uh, and, and so if you're not using an intervention well, then it might be time for professional support. Don't throw the, the baby out with the bathwater and say, my kid won't take validation, right? Because validation fosters emotional growth. This is number three in the terms of the, the, um, the advantages here. Because if your child doesn't wanna hear your validation, it's not the validation that's not working, it's the way that you're applying the skill. And this is really important because if, you, if, if this is something that you need help with and you, support, and you need support with, we're happy to, to support you with. But it, it is something that you need to be using regularly to learn and to apply and uh, your child will follow through with consistency and proper application. Your child needs to be able to identify their emotions. They need to be able to build insight. Validation helps them do that. And you teach your child that their emotions are okay. Your child who's highly sensitive, remember one out of every five is highly sensitive. That means that your child sees 80% of the population and says, they're not like me. So you as a parent need to help your child notice, look, yeah, that's true and doesn't mean you're broken, doesn't mean you're fragile, doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, doesn't mean that you have some sort of illness or diagnosis that requires you to characterize yourself as somebody who will never achieve emotional safety in the home, uh, you know, rapidly uh, with uh, around age four, five, six, seven, uh, no matter how uh, old you are, etc. And uh, this is a message that your child needs to hear without shame, without blame, right? Playfully, as I talked about earlier, all of these are principles of what we teach our clients and it is incredibly important. When you break out of this cycle and you do it effectively, you can see these positive and effective results quickly. So 
that perspective, you know, your child who's highly sensitive is highly introspective, highly focused on how their emotions impact others. They might not be acting on it, they know I'm not be showing you that, but by nature, they are processing things deeply because that is what the trait is all about. It's not a deep feeling process, it's a deep process process. <laughs> And this is one thing that many, many, many professionals who don't understand the trait effectively or as experts like we do here at MTC start to mischaracterize. They call it deeply feeling kids. They call it um, strong willed. They call it spirited. None of that's based in research. It's all just um, big picture generalization. Yeah, yeah, I've seen kids like this before. I've seen their meltdowns before. Yeah, they feel really deep. Must be a deep feeling problem because I've seen this. No, if you studied it and you understand the research behind it, you recognize that this problem is actually a processing issue, uh, especially when, when meant with, uh, met with um, you know, confusion and a skill gap. It's a processing concern with a skill gap then leads to the meltdown cycle then it's a completely different ball game. You can't be just focusing on validation. You can't just be focusing on setting limits. You have to be working on uh, more than that and teaching coping skills, etc. And uh, you have to be doing this from, from yourself as a parent. And it has to be broader than that for your child to experience the world from an empowering place. You need to be feeling empowered as a parent and you need to be demonstrating and teaching them that they can rewire in their own brains and uh, you can be the one to, to shift them out of that as well. This is one of the things that we teach our clients through our resilience rewiring protocol, trademark pending. And uh, the, the focus here is noticing for, um, uh, for, for your child that they have the capacity to manage their own emotional state because isn't that what you've been trying to teach them for all this time, right? Young children can learn that skill. They can tell you what they know helps. They can tell you what they, what they want to do next time. And they can do it in the moment right then and there before your eyes. And uh, if you want our support in figuring out if we can help you get there, then I encourage you to book a call with our team because this is not a pattern that you have to live in for long. All right. Uh, talk soon. Thanks. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson. And we look forward to speaking to you soon.